This, of course, is in the context of taking apart, dissecting, looking at every part of the Lord's Prayer. And in question 126, we're asked, what is the fifth petition? Our answer, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. That is, for the sake of Christ's blood, do not impute to us, wretched sinners, any of our transgressions, nor the evil which still clings to us, as we also find this evidence of your grace in us that we are fully determined wholeheartedly to forgive our neighbor. Beloved congregation of our great God and Savior, this afternoon we come to one of the most challenging petitions in the Lord's Prayer. It was the great church father, Augustine, who called this petition the a terrible petition. In, in uh, keeping with the, the, the language of that time, what he, how we would say today is terrifying. Uh, he called it a terrifying petition. And we're asking that God would forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And if perhaps your initial thought right away is that you disagree that this is such a terrible petition, then we have to wonder uh, if we have ever grasped the depth or the significance of this prayer. Or, Or maybe we have prayed it many, many times, we've said it, but we haven't really thought through what we're saying, the implications of it. We've almost uh, said it hypocritically. Or we have not really understood the seriousness of sin against God, against God and our neighbor. And so it's good this afternoon that we come back to this fifth petition where we're reminded that we need forgiveness daily and we need to forgive others as we have been forgiven. And hopefully we're not One of those people who say, maybe at this stage in our sanctification, having a long way to go, we still hold on to this old habit of saying, I never forgive. If you cross my path, if you step on my toes, that's it. We're done forever. We better not be of that caliber because, dear friend, if this is your attitude, then you better hope that you never sin and you never need God's forgiveness. And we better realize that we condemn ourselves every time we recite the Lord's Prayer or that we ask for God's forgiveness. And this is true for every one of us here, from the youngest to the oldest, to the one who is new to the faith, to the one who has been a saint for decades. You notice that the Lord Jesus, when he teaches us to pray this, he includes, he speaks in the plural, he includes all of us as God's children. No one is exempt. He says, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And so we are all in the same boat. We're all in need of forgiveness and we all need to forgive. This applies to every one of us. Well, first of all, again, as we did this morning, we need to pause a little bit and say, well, what does it mean when we, when we, to forgive someone? one of those Christian words that we use quite often. What does it mean exactly when we are called to forgive someone? Well, I'll tell you first of all what it doesn't mean. It doesn't mean, as as can happen in Christian circles, it it does not mean that we avoid this person from now on. It doesn't mean that we will, from today, pretend that this never happened and we never talk about it again. And so we have this kind of a hypocritical conversation every time we meet up with this person. 
We sweep everything under the rug, as we say. And sadly, this is what, quite, uh, what happens quite often, even among Christians. And then months go by, and months turn into years, and we never really deal with the problem. And shockingly, and to our shame, we end up going again and again to the Lord's table, not realizing that we are sinning against the Lord every time we do. But what is forgiving? Well, forgiving, the Greek word is aphiemi, and it literally means to cancel a debt, to cancel a debt, to release a person or to pardon that person from, from what they have done to us or against us. It's, it's removing the guilt from this person who has now become indebted to us by their sinning against us. And that's why the fifth request of the Lord's Prayer is a very serious one, one we have to take very serious, uh, seriously. And, and I think we should agree and say amen to what Augustine, Augustine called it, uh, a terrible petition, a terrifying petition. It's a very serious one because it reminds us that we must seek God's forgiveness daily and we must be willing to forgive those who have sinned against us daily. Our theme then, as we look at uh, Lord's Day 51 this afternoon, is this. Jesus teaches us, contrite sinners, to seek daily forgiveness. Jesus teaches us, contrite sinners, to seek daily forgiveness. And we'll see that this petition includes, in the first place, an admittance of our ongoing failings before God. And in the second place, it includes a confession of our ongoing duty to our neighbor. But as Jesus teaches us contrite sinners to seek daily forgiveness, we see in the first place that this is an admittance of our ongoing failings before God. Let's just refresh ourselves with, what the, uh, with the catechism explanation, the first half of it at least. For the sake of Christ's blood, this is what, this, what we're praying in this prayer, uh, for the, this first part. For the sake of Christ's blood, do not impute to us wretched sinners, any of our transgressions, nor the evil which, stills cling, which still clings to us. And so you, you hear the language, wretched sinners, right? Transgressions, sins. Uh, this fifth, fifth petition is first and foremost an admission of guilt. That we have transgressed God's commandments is a fact. It's not being debated in this petition. It is presupposed we are admitting it. We admit that we have sinned against God's holy majesty. We have caused, we have caused a disturbance in the relationship between us and our Heavenly Father. We stand guilty of disobedience every time we sin, and we are worthy of punishment. And so we must be seeking forgiveness because our sins have caused us to be indebted to God. Boys and girls, what's a debt? A debt is something that we owe to someone. And we are under obligation to pay back what we owe. Well, Jesus teaches us here, as our Savior, as our great shepherd, he teaches us to pray, forgive us our debts to God. And that assumes then that we owe God something. What do we owe him? Well, we owe him, to put it very simply, we owe him our, our daily obedience our thankful living, our worship, our adoration, our praise, our love. These are the things that we owe to God. 
But this petition reminds us that we fail at this every day. And we can't really, if we're honest, we can't debate that. We can't deny it. We know ourselves. And more importantly, God knows us. He sees all the sins that we commit. He hears us sing on a Sunday, I love the Lord, the fount of life and truth. And on Monday, it's back to loving self again. The Catechism reminds us that in this petition, we're admitting that there are sins that we do, and there, are, there is the evil that clings us, or, or uh, that, that uh, still clings to us. And so there's the irritability, the bad moods, the snippy words, the sarcasm, hurtful criticisms that come out of our mouths every day. There are those slammed doors and broken friendships that testify to the fact that we're still sinners. It stands as witnesses against us. But the Catechism wisely, as it gleans from the Holy Scriptures, it reminds us that all of these find their foundation in the evil that still clings to us. It reminds us that even after conversion, there is that ongoing presence of the old self, as we heard in Ephesians 4. And there is that, that old self causes us to have that ongoing battle with lust, lying, anger, covetousness, filthy talk, blasphemy, some of the things that Paul uh, points out in, uh, in Ephesians 4. We grieve the Holy Spirit with whom we are sealed with our bitterness, with our malice, our slander, our failure to be kind, and certainly our failure to forgive. We grieve the Spirit by these things. We sin against God every day. Think about it. How many times do we not bow our heads and pray before we eat? And all through it, we're more concerned with getting to the food than really giving thanks from our heart of hearts for what we have in front of us. How many times have we been guilty of maybe talking and laughing with someone to their face and behind their backs, speak ill of them? Perhaps even as we leave them, when we drive home, we say to our spouse, our spouse what a windbag. Have we ever held off paying someone when it was in our position to pay them much longer than we actually did? Have we ever judged someone in a way that we ourselves would not want to be judged? Have we ever pointed out the splinter in somebody else's eye while failing to see the two-by-four that is in ours? Have we ever looked at someone else's kids, children, and said, hmm, boy, look at those children, so unruly, so wild, so noisy, so godless, and yet we've never prayed for those children? If this is the way we live, and nobody's disputing this, who or what really is first and foremost in our hearts? Is it God or ourselves, our reputation, our finances, the toys we accumulate for ourselves, even that boy or girl of special interest to us? Have we ever hated someone in our hearts because secretly we're jealous of them? Are we involved in some kind of sin that God sees all the time. So this is true of all of us. We're all guilty of, of sin in, in some measure. But here's the command and here's the comfort. 1 John 1 verse 9. If we confess our sins, 
He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so the truly converted admits our daily failings before God. We're not ashamed to confess our sins before God and seek His forgiveness, to look at Him as the one who is able and willing to forgive. We pray, forgive us our debts, and we mean it. We go to our Heavenly Father and we plead for that forgiveness, for that absolution, for that remission of our sins. We plead that God, to borrow the language of the Catechism, would not impute our sins to us. That He would repair what we have broken. That He would blot out our transgressions from His sight. And the wonderful thing, as we are reminded in 1 John, is that God is willing and able to do this. And by the way, not, because, not merely because we've prayed about it or we've, uh, we've uh, asked for His forgiveness, not merely because we have confessed or because of the guilt we feel, let's always remember that God is willing and able to forgive us for the sake of Christ's blood, as we are reminded in our catechism. And here's the miracle of forgiveness. As much as we don't deserve it, But as we confess our sins honestly and truly and sincerely before God, and as we ask Him for forgiveness in Jesus' name, we recede to the background and Christ comes to the foreground. And His goodness and righteousness covers over our sins. For those who truly trust in Jesus Christ, His blood covers our sins no matter how great those sins may be. In Hebrews 9, we have that marvelous discussion of the superiority of the sacrifice of Christ as compared with the Old Testament sacrifices. The inspired author there reminds us that Christ is our great high priest who who has fulfilled the Old Testament day of atonement by entering into the most holy place in the heavenlies and offered not just the, the blood of a bull or a goat, but his own precious an incomparable and immeasurably valuable blood. For those who trust truly in Jesus Christ, for those who truly repent of their sins, His blood, that is the promise of the Bible, His blood cleanses us from all sin. That's 1 John 1 verse 7. On the basis of the blood of Christ, God will forgive every sin. The punishment that brought us peace was upon Him and by His wounds... We are healed, Isaiah 53, verse 5. And Paul writes in Romans 3.25 that God presented Christ as a propitiation through faith in His blood. And the sad reality of our lives is that even after conversion, we're going to commit acts of transgression and iniquities against God. There'll be that wrestling with the old nature all through our lives. But here's the comfort that we have as Christians. If we do sin, we have one. We have an advocate, John calls him, with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one, who is the propitiation for all our sins. To to propitiate or to atone means that God's wrath against us is quieted, it's appeased because of the shed blood of the spotless Lamb. 
And this is what we need to keep in mind as we recognize our daily sins, the fact that there is forgiveness. And Jesus wants us to remember that. And so he commands us, contrite sinners, to pray, forgive us our debts so that we may receive daily forgiveness for our ongoing failings before God. Well, so far, so good. But Jesus doesn't stop there. He reminds us that we are also required to forgive others. In the second part of the Catechism answer, we heard, as we also find this evidence of your grace in us, that we are fully determined wholeheartedly to forgive our neighbor. As Jesus teaches us contrite sinners to seek daily forgiveness, we see in the second place that this petition includes a confession of our ongoing duty to our neighbor. Jesus uh, teaches us here that we are to pray, forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. Again, what does this mean exactly? It almost sounds, at first glance, as if we set the example and God follows. And that's absolutely not what it means. In fact, imagine if that were true. Imagine if God only forgave us following our example of how we forgave others. We would be in serious trouble, wouldn't we? First of all, there's quite often the unwillingness or unreadiness to forgive. Or there are times when we, we say we forgive someone. We say, never mind, forget about it. But we still hold on to the anger and the hurt. And every time we think about that person or we talk about that person, we can feel our blood pressure rising. If God was to follow our pattern, we could never really have assurance of being truly forgiven. Thankfully, that's not what this petition means. Neither does this petition mean that our forgiving is the basis of God's forgiveness. This petition is not saying, look, Lord, I forgave this person, so now you have to forgive me. That's not what this is saying. Absolutely not. The basis of God's forgiveness is always His grace in Christ Jesus, always on the basis of the precious blood of the Lamb. And so when we pray, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors, we're actually following the pattern that God sets. We forgive as He has forgiven. And here's the amazing thing, and the Catechism picks up on this as it uh, faithfully summarizes Holy Scripture for us. The amazing thing is that even this is for our comfort, the fact that we are willing to forgive. The Catechism reminds us that our forgiving others is evidence of God's grace in us. In other words, by our forgiving, we are assured that we belong to God, that we are forgiven, that His Holy Spirit really dwells in us. Our willingness to forgive shows that already in this life, imperfectly, we admit, but already in this life we have begun to reflect the image of our Father in heaven. But having said that, here's the reality. Which one of us here would say that forgiving others is easy? Certainly no one who has ever been wronged in their lives before. Quite often we find ourselves on the receiving end of, of, of really unjust treatment. 
People insult us in the worst of ways. Some people, people slander us. They say things that are just not true about us behind our backs. And let's be honest, in these times, isn't it easier to pray this than to live it? Imagine for a moment that you have been very, very kind. You've gone out of your way to be very, very kind to someone above and beyond your call of duty. And you even use your resources and your contacts to help this person, to get them, help them get a job, whatever it may be. Uh, you try to be a friend, even better than a, than, a, than a brother to this person. And then when the day comes when, for some silly reason, you hear back that this person slandered you. Or, or uh, the, time, the day comes when they look you in the eye and they say, why don't you mind your own business? Now, those, those times will come in this life. Unfortunately, we live in a sinful world among sinful people. There are people whom we will be forced to associate with in this life or to work alongside of, who are just plain mean, sometimes crude, boorish, self-serving, and it seems that they have no desire nor ability to change. Sometimes there, there are people that um, maybe we had a strong relationship with, but then thing, things didn't work out. We went our different ways, but then uh, um, we find out that they, they made some kind of an insulting, mocking, derogatory comment about us that suddenly was uncalled for. Or, or, or it could be someone that you considered a close friend. And, and these especially hurt because this is a person you, you trusted whom you always thought would be there for you, and then they, they say these things behind your back, or they do something to you. They undercut you in some way. I think we, we all would admit that in these times, it's extremely hard. I mean, like I said, it's easier said than done, easier prayed than actually lived. These situations are the kind that when we think about it, and, you know, we listen to a sermon like this, and then we, we go home tonight, and we say, yeah, I should really go to John and, and talk to him, and straighten things out. You get a knot in your stomach, right? And your face gets hot. The blood pressure goes up. And sometimes tears spring, in, spring to your eyes when you think of, of what they have done. And, and it's, again, it's, it's, we're just being realistic. It's, it's easy to talk about forgiveness. It's not so easy when we have been treated unfairly, when people are cold-hearted, toward us, and, and worse, when people are unrepentant about what they have done. You look at them, you, you listen to them, and, they, and they don't, they're not sorry. How hard is it to forgive them? And yet the command to us, and, and this is what we have to focus on, okay? Can't think about the other person, we have to think about what is God's command to me, to his child, right? The focus, of the, the command is very clear. Listen, for instance, and this is all over the Bible, but listen uh, to Mark 11, verse 25, for example. Mark 11, verse 25, Jesus says, And whenever you stand praying, forgive, if you have anything against anyone, so that your Father also in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. And so the implication here is that our prayers or our worship is hindered by our unwillingness to forgive, by us hardening our hearts and being unwilling to forgive, our prayers, our worship is hindered. 
We could put this another way. We can't approach God, really. I mean, we can do it in body, but we're not really doing it in spirit. We can't approach God holding things in our hearts against, especially a fellow believer, but any fellow image bearer. We can't be people who hold on to our anger, refusing to let go. We can't be described as people who stew about things, just getting hotter and hotter every time we think about it. It's just not Christian. As forgiven sinners, we must begin and continue to practice and grow in forgiveness. And we heard that, didn't we, in our scripture reading in Ephesians 4, verse 13? My eyes can't fall in right now. But forgive as the Lord has forgiven you. And so God set the pattern for us, right? We are his children. We then are to show in our living that we truly belong to him. And so we're called to forgive as he forgave us. To put it in another way, we're not to set ourselves apart from or above God and refuse to do what he has done freely and fully in Christ Jesus. But again, we say, okay, I agree, this is all true, but easier said than done, granted. But it can become easier to forgive others. We just have to take the time to understand it and understand the situation biblically and from God's perspective. Think about this. When a person sins against us, what really should be our concern? What is the thing that should, what is the bigger concern when a person sins against us and wrongs us? Is it, is it merely the ungratefulness of that person or the stinging words or the vicious, uncaring deed? Not really. Not in the grand scheme of things and not from God's perspective. It, it goes a lot more deeper than that. When my neighbor sins against me, what we have to keep in mind is that he or she has violated the commandments of the true and living God. This person is at this moment not loving God with heart, soul, mind, and strength, and they certainly are not loving their neighbor as they love themselves. When a person sins against me then, as hurt as I am, the more important concern, and this is something that we need to be practicing and uh, striving and praying for more and more to see and to live. But when a person sins against me, as hurt as I am, the more important concern should be that this person is out of fellowship with God, with their God. Pride has caused them to cherish themselves, their own worth, their ability over God. They have exalted themselves over God. At this moment, God and neighbor have taken second place to this person, even though they have sinned against me. And so what should sadden us so much is not that we have been sinned personally against, although it, does, it is painful, it hurts, but what should sadden us is not so much that we have been sinned against, but that God's honor has been violated what should concern us is that this person has grieved their God 
our God. And so it all comes down to this. Those who sin against us ought to be the object of our prayers and our concern because they are now out of fellowship with God, because they have taken it upon themselves to make themselves superior to God by breaking His commands. And, and beloved, when we see this more and more, and again, like I said, this is not going to happen overnight. It's something we need to be praying for and striving for more and more. But when we begin to see this, we begin to see the person who has hurt us not so much as indebted to us as to God. And it should motivate us to go to this person, to be praying for them, to, to be seeking reconciliation with them, whatever it may cost us. You say, but what, 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 why is it that I always have to go to this person? I'm the wrong party here. Well, there's a couple of things we need to remember if we want to think that. First, remember that we were not the first to go to God. He is the one who came to us. And He always comes to us. He continually comes to us every time we sin. And the second thing we need to remember, if we have the attitude of, I shouldn't be the one always to go to that person, is found in Proverbs 20, verse 22. Proverbs 20, verse 22, where we're told... And Solomon writes this again under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Do not say, I will repay evil. Wait for the Lord, and He will deliver you. And so as evidence of God's grace working in us, we are not to respond in kind. We're to wait upon Him, leave it in His hands. We are to be striving to walk in obedience, doing what is right in His sight. And we are to trust that He will do what is best. Congregation, this, you know, when all is said and done, really this fifth petition can only be honestly prayed by Christians, by true Christians. Because only one who understands the price of forgiveness, as we ought to understand the price of our forgiveness, can grieve over wrongs against God. When we wrong God or when others wrong us. Only one who has experienced forgiveness can then really extend forgiveness or be willing to forgive others. And so let me leave you with this, this this afternoon. Is this a sin that you have left unconfessed in your life? Think about it for a moment. Or as you drive home tonight, who do I need to forgive? Who do I need forgiveness from? Who do I make, need to make things right with or to be reconciled to before I come back to this house of prayer next week? This is not something we can put off or delay. As a matter of fact, let us not... Let's make a commitment that we will not utter the Lord's Prayer until we have done what is right, what the, good, what the Lord our God requires us to do. Let us make this a matter of deep and personal prayer confessing our sins honestly before God, and again, who knows all anyway, and let us be striving to make right with that person with whom we may have enmity, phone them up, whether we need to drive over there, run over there, walk over there, ride over there, whatever it takes, we go and we try to fix things.
for the sake of our Heavenly Father and because He loves us so much. May we grow in the comfort of the richness of His grace in Christ. And may we seek His honor as we live to please Him. Amen.